We're into our uh, four-week series on worship as a lifestyle, and last week we thought about praising, uh, worship as praise, and very often in the church, that's what we kind of talk about when we say worship, we're referring to our singing, our praise, and all of that good stuff, and and that's obviously a very important part of worship, but it's not everything, and so we're considering worship as a lifestyle, really not just as something we do maybe once a week at church, although that's important, Um, and so this week we're talking about giving. And uh, in the later part of the 17th century, there was a German preacher named August Frank, and he founded an orphanage to care for the children of Hal in Germany. One day, uh, when he desperately needed funds to carry on his work, a destitute Christian widow came to his door begging for a gold coin. Because of his financial situation, he politely, he politely but regretfully told her that he couldn't help her. He needed the money for the orphanage. Disheartened, the woman began to weep, and moved by her tears, Frank asked her to wait while he went to his room to pray. After seeking God's guidance, he felt that the Holy Spirit wanted her, him to give her a gold coin. So trusting the Lord to meet his own needs, he gave her the money, and two mornings later he received a letter of thanks from the widow. She explained that because of his generosity, she had asked the Lord to shower the orphanage with gifts. That same day, Frank received 12 gold coins from a wealthy lady and two more from a friend in Sweden. He thought he had been amply rewarded for helping the widow, but he was soon informed that the orphanage was to receive 500 gold pieces from the estate of Prince Lodwick Van (laughs) Wurttemberg. When he heard this, Frank wept in gratitude and sacrificially providing for that needy widow, he had been enriched, not impoverished. And so this morning we're talking about giving, and we have a lot of scriptures to cover. We're going to kind of do what we did last week as wander about a bit the Bible and find out what the Lord says about giving in general. And we want to consider that as worship. And, you know, in the Old Testament, Israel had the sacrifice and they had offerings, right? We know that all through the Old Testament. They had the sacrificial system. They had offerings that they gave to the Lord. They had the tenth, as we call it, or the tithe. And uh, they had all kinds of sacrifices. And, and the reality is that we no longer have either. And uh, you might be here this morning saying, well, what do you mean, Mark, there's no more tithe? Well, I'll explain that as we go. But let me just say right at the outset that I don't personally believe the tithe of the Old Testament applies to Christians today. And if you do, that's okay. But uh, I don't, and I'll explain that as we go on. But Israel had tithes and offerings. And we don't have any of those things really given to us in the New Testament. We have something quite different. Um, And I want to begin this morning with Romans 12 and verse 1, and and probably should have read this to you last week as we think of this four weeks. Romans 12 and verse 1 probably provides us a context and an undergirding for all that we do in life, whether it's praise or giving or serving or living. And in Romans 12, 1, Paul says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters... In view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. And so the Lord calls us as his people to give ourselves completely to him as a living sacrifice. What does that mean? You say, Mark, what does he want me to do? Lay myself down and, you know, to to, to die on his behalf? Well, the idea is that we give ourselves completely to Christ in service and in worship to him, whatever he calls us to do. And that that's a living sacrifice and that's acceptable and well-pleasing to God. And obviously, as we think of that, our great example is Jesus himself, right? Who came into the world and laid down his life so that you and I might live. 
And he gives us the greatest example of a living sacrifice that we could ever imagine because he willingly laid down his life to pay for my sin and to pay for yours so that we might have life in his name today. And so he's the high example of that. And that's kind of the backdrop for us as we think about giving this Sunday. And really in the New Testament, you know, the idea about giving as Christians is about giving everything, not just finances, but really our whole life to the cause of Christ. And, you know, he wants our hearts, he wants our obedience, he wants our love, he wants, uh, you know, all of that. He wants all of us. He doesn't want us just once a week, you know, for an hour, but he wants us moment by moment every day to be with him and to live in his presence. And so we want to be sold out for Christ, if I can put it that way, in, in everything that we do. So we're going to begin uh, here in Second Samuel 24, and I'm only going to read one verse out of a story and explain it to you. In 2 Samuel 24, David the king answered Aruna and said, No, I insist on buying it from you for a price, for I will not offer to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. And David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 20 ounces of silver. What's going on here? Well, King David needed to make a sacrifice to the Lord in order to stop the plague that was upon the people. <clears throat> and he comes to this threshing floor, and Aruna, Aruna recognizes the king and says, King, you can have the floor, you can ha- I'll provide the animals myself for the sacrifice, take whatever you want. And David says, No, I won't do it, because I will not offer to God something which costs me nothing. And Mother Teresa once said, If you give what you do not, if, if you give what you do not need, it's not giving. If you give what you do not need, it is not giving. That's what Mother Teresa said, right? And David is saying the same thing. He's saying, look, if I'm going to make an offering to the Lord, if I'm going to give to the Lord, it's going to cost me something. I won't just take a freebie. It would be kind of like, you know, uh, giving your wife or your husband a gift that somebody already gave you, right? So I come along and I say, hey, Kevin, look at this brand new toaster, man. Hey, have this nice new toaster. And Kevin says, oh, that's cool. Jill's birthday is tomorrow. And he rewraps and says, hey, Jill, I got you this beautiful toaster. Well, you know, you're, of course you're like, because that's kind of weird, right? I mean, like, there's not much behind the gift if I just re-gift it in that sense, right? I mean, you want to put some thought into it. So husbands, wives, you know, there's a, there's a pro tip, um, you know, <laughs> put some thought into your gift giving for your spouse. But that's the point that David's saying, right? I don't want to take something that somebody already given to me. No, when I give to the Lord, it's going to cost me something because it's going to tell me the value of it to me to the Lord, you see. And it's going to reveal where our hearts are at. Jesus gave himself for us. What could we possibly give in return for that, right? Well, there's nothing too great, right? There's nothing that can compare to that. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. There's a principle here, right, that in our giving, it should be something from the heart. It should be something that costs us something and not just a freebie. And that's a principle that David had when he gave unto the Lord. That it costs us something. Now, you know, there's a, a passage in Scripture, and I don't want to actually spend a lot of time at it today, and you might be thinking, well, that's strange, because a lot of preachers preach on Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 12, when it talks about giving. But as I mentioned to you, I'm not, I don't personally believe that the tithe of Israel belongs to the church today. Um, and I gotta tell you, this is the first message I've ever preached in my entire life on giving, and I don't like it. Um, it's something that I try to avoid, but you know what? <laughs> It's an important part of worship giving. And so we need to consider it this morning. And in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8 through 12, there is a couple of principles here that I want to pick up on. Okay, so we'll just turn there briefly. Matthew, uh, Malachi, that's the last book in the Old Testament. And um, 
Malachi 3, 8 to 12. This one, this is probably the base text for most sermons I'm, I'm giving today. <laughs> and perhaps you've heard that before too. It says, will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? How do we rob you, you ask? By not making your tithes and your offerings. You are suffering under a curse, yet you, the whole nation, are still robbing me. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of armies. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour it a blessing for you without measure. And so God was challenging the nation of Israel had gotten to a point in their history where they no longer kind of had faith in God that they could afford to, you know, pay their tithes and their offerings. The tithes were used to support the temple, but they were also used, according to the law of Moses, to support the poor. And so Israel, right in its ritual tithe, had a built-in concept of that, that when we give to God is to help support others, right? Those that are less fortunate than us. And so these folks had got into a position where they weren't giving at all, and, and the Lord was challenging to them. There's an obvious implication that they kind of lacked faith, and that we, we can't afford to give because we need that money for ourselves. And God was challenging them to say, look, if you put me first, then I will uh, show you that I can provide for your needs, right? And we want to be careful this morning, and <clears throat> the last thing I want to put in your minds is that somehow we give to get. No. Let's put that away from us, okay? Uh, let's put this notion away that I'm going to tithe to the Lord, and boy, I can hardly wait for all this coming back to me. No, that's that's just not where we want to go, okay? We, we give out of a heart of love, out of pure motive. We're going to talk about this. And yet there is a principle that God says, if you put me first in your life, I'll take care of all the other stuff that you worry and fret over. And we're going to see that in the New Testament as well. And so Israel had lost faith in God, and they didn't feel they could afford it. And God was saying, look, if you do as I ask you to do, there will be a blessing. And that was for Israel. And there's a blessing for us as well, and it's, it's, it's similar. But again, we don't give to get. Let's put that from our minds, Okay. So all I want to say about this is that, you know, Israel had an issue with giving. God challenged them. We're going to see that kind of repeated in the New Testament. And the Lord Jesus is going to put that to us as well. But, you know, the Lord says, look, give. And we're to give, as we think of David's philosophy, as we think of the Lord's challenge to Israel, principle one, we're to give generously and we're to give sacrificially. That's a principle we find in the scriptures. Generously, sacrificially. Principle number one. So while we're on that, I'm just going to skip here to the um, New Testament principle of the same uh, concept here. So let me just, here we go. Right. So let's skip down to Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. <clears throat> Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, since he will either hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's an important principle, but we don't have time to go there today. <laughs> Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, about what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? And I don't know about you, but these are the very things that often we worry about, right? When we're facing the loss of a job or a shortage on income, what do we worry about? Where am I going to live? What am I going to eat? How am I going to get by with all the basic things of life, right? And the Lord's challenging us not to worry about that. And in verse 26, he says, consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap. Or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? 
Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that Solomon in all of his splendor was was not adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, O you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But, and here's our verse. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. And so Jesus is now giving a similar principle to what the Lord said to Israel in Malachi, right? That we're supposed to put God first. And if we seek the Lord first and his righteousness, everything that we need or we think we need you know, will be added to us. And so there's a principle here that God comes first in our life and the rest of it follows. It's not that we give to get, but we give trusting in a God who provides. And understanding that, you know, we're going to give generously, we're going to give sacrificially, and we'll trust the Lord for the rest of it. Not that we're trying to get rich, not that we're trying to, you know, bless ourselves through our giving, but rather we're just going to simply trust God that He'll He'll look after those things. And yet, this is a passage of Scripture that I have struggled with my entire life. You know, and we come to these things and we read the, the promise of the Lord here. And, and we, we are Christians, so we say, oh, of course I believe it, it's the Word of God, but I actually don't believe it. And for many years as a Christian, I really struggled to believe this, and I didn't feel I could. And, and the, the, the question that kept going through my mind is, was, well, I got, I got issues, Lord, and I can't give, and I can't do that, and I gotta take care of my own needs first, and there's just no way this is gonna work out. If I, if I do that, then I'm gonna not be able to pay my rent next month. And I've struggled with it. <laughs> I confess that to you. But we have a promise here from the Lord. <clears throat> and you know, as I've shared many times, so we won't do it a lot for the sake of my children. You know, uh, this was a really big struggle for me coming into ministry here in Cape Breton because, you know, how, how's that going to work, Lord? Like, there's just no money in it. Like, it's just impossible. There's no way we can do that. And that's the struggle we have. And yet Jesus says, look, if you seek first my kingdom... My righteousness. I will add the things that you need. Stop worrying about that stuff. Right? Here's your priority. My priority is not to figure out how much money I can make next week so that I can pay my bills. My priority is how do I serve the Lord this week and seek Him first. And He'll he'll take care of the rest. And so it's an issue of focus. It's an issue of where our heart is. And this principle is that God provides when we put His interests first. And that's a very important principle. That when God is set first, He will abundantly bless and He will provide in ways that we can't comprehend. And we've seen the Lord do that, you know. I'll share some things at the end of this about my journey over the years in this area of life. But again, we want to be careful that we're not giving to get. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the provision of a caring God who who blesses His children as they give to Him and to others. All right. Well, let's, let's consider some more things here about giving. Um, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Here we learn another important principle about giving. <clears throat> Jesus says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them, otherwise you have no reward with your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do, in the synagogues and on the streets, to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. 
But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And so here we have this uh, great principle, right, of, of secrecy in giving. In other words, we're not trying to do it, right, to, to garner attention, right? And as you know, we do not pass an offering plate here. We'll talk about that more at the end of the service. But you know, uh, there might have been a time in my life, <laughs> you know, when that offering plate is going around, I want everybody to see the big old bills that I'm putting in there and be impressed and go, whoa, look how much he's giving, right? Sometimes we can do that. I confess it, right? We want people to be aware of our generosity so that we can accept the accolades and the praise. Yeah, mm-hmm, that's me. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. You know, but Jesus says, don't do that, right? Give in secret and your, your father in heaven will see it and he will bless you for it. Charles Spurgeon who most of you will know is one of the most famous preachers that ever lived 200 years ago in England. The Queen of England would sit in his audience, even though she was the head of the Church of England. (laughs) She would sneak in and listen to Spurgeon preach. Um, Charles Spurgeon and his wife had chickens, and they produced eggs, and they sold those eggs. But Charles and his wife throughout their life would never give them away, including to friends and family. They demanded that they pay for them. And so much so that they actually, this is one of the negatives of Spurgeon during his life, people would accuse him of being, you know, what, a, what kind of guy is that anyway? You know, he won't even give his way. And now we all know Alan and Esther and they generously give us lots of eggs and we, we really appreciate that, right? Um, but Charles Spurgeon did not give them. He insisted that people pay for them. Upon his wife's death, the people came to learn that the reason they did that is 100% of those proceeds went to support widows. And that's why they insisted that people pay for them. Because that money was going to support widows in need. But they wouldn't let you see the right hand and the left. No, they were willing to bear the scorn because they didn't want to tell people what they were up to. And so we're to give in secret, but our Father will see it and He will bless. And we want to be careful that our giving is not done to bring attention to ourselves, but rather as known unto the Lord. And we can give anonymously. And that's such a blessing. Sometimes even to a person in need, we can give anonymously. And so that they don't even know that we're the ones that have helped them. But God knows. But you know what? If we go around and we blow the trumpet and we say, hey, hey, look at me. The Lord says what? You've got your reward. And that's the only reward you're going to get. There will be no reward from our Father in heaven if we are giving so that we might get the praise. That's that's the only reward you're ever going to get for that. But if we give in secret. And that doesn't mean, by the way, that somebody doesn't have to know that you're helping them. That just, you know. There's different situations, right? But we just check our hearts, right? That we give in secret. <clears throat> okay. Let's move on to some more principles on giving. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is... There your heart will be also. And here we have some tough stuff from the Lord here, right? This is a difficult one for sure, right? Um, For some of us at different times in our life. But the reality is, right, that if we store and save, and and there's nothing wrong, by the way, with putting some savings aside. That's not what the Scripture is teaching. But right, where is our heart? What is the focus of our efforts in this regard? Are we just laying everything up for here? For the here and now, or are we investing in heavenly investments, right? 
And that's the conviction that comes back, right? What am I spending my money on? Is it all about me and my comfort, my happiness, my future? Or am I using what the Lord has entrusted me to bless others as well? That's a very important principle. And we don't want to store up just things in heaven because things invested on the earth are a bad investment. And we can talk about stock market crashes and we can talk about all those famous stories, right? But, you know, I remember a few years ago, a brother in Ontario was, I was at his house and he, uh, he said to me, Mark, what's the Lord been teaching you lately? I hadn't seen him for a while. I said, well, you know, one thing the Lord's really teaching me, brother, is that, is in this area of, you know, storing up treasures. And, and I've come under some conviction that, you know, and I, and I just kind of spouted this out of my mouth, not that it was a possibility for me, but I just said, you know, I'd, I'd hate to die with a half a million in the bank having never, you know, serve the Lord with my money. And he, he got very angry with me. Very angry. I touched a nerve with him and I didn't intend to. He was, he was asking me what's, I was just talking about me. I don't know what his financial situation was, right? But the bottom line is we're not to store up treasures on this earth. We're to invest them in heavenly things because whatever's stored up here will decay and it'll wither and it'll disappear. And there's no more miserable man on this earth than a guy who's got a mountain of gold or a mountain of treasures in his house that he's constantly worried about losing it or getting stolen. There's a lot of stress that comes with that, right? It's a tough command, but Jesus challenges us in this way to lay up treasures in heaven. Why? It, it, It tells us where our heart is. It just tells me where my heart is. Ultimately, and again, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy in this world. That's not what we're talking about. There's nothing wrong with having some savings. But the point is, is if that's all I'm focused on, if that's where my heart is at, then the Lord knows that. And there's no, there's no revenue in that. Far better to invest in heavenly treasure. And how do we do that? By giving generously and sacrificially to the Lord's work. To, to helping those in need. To serving Him. To getting the gospel out there. And we want to be that way. Where's our heart truly at? When we give, when we help a neighbor who's in need, we're investing in heavenly treasures. And when we give to help the gospel advance around this world, we're investing in an eternal return. (laughs) And when we support the work of our local church, we're investing in things that yield eternal rewards. And that's where we want to invest our money. So may the Lord help us and give us grace as we think about where we invest. Treasure on earth is a bad investment. All right, Philippians chapter, let's see what time we got. Oh, my dear. Okay, you know what? I think we can actually just skip to one of these. Yeah. So we're going to skip to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I was going to read to you Philippians 4.10, but it's the same principle. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 1, Paul says, Now concerning the ministry to the saints, it is unnecessary for me to write to you. And, and, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole passage with, with the exception of one verse. But what we have here is Paul addressing another church who's preparing to send a gift to help a, a church in another area that's poor and in need, right? And so one of the principles we see in the book of Acts was that the churches actually helped one another. So if there was, you know, if they knew of, uh, some brothers and sisters in a faraway place that needed some help, well, then they would send some help over if they could do that, right? And it was a beautiful thing. And Paul's talking to them about this gift. And in verse 7, he says that each person uh, should do as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And... It's such a beautiful thing, right? Well, there's a, a lesson, there was a story told once of a mother who, on her way into the church in the morning, gave her little girl a dollar bill and a quarter. 
And he, she said to her, dear, like today, when the offering plate comes around, I want you to choose one of those two and put it in the offering plate. And so she said, okay, mom. So as they were leaving church that day, the mother said to her daughter, well, which did you decide to give, dear? She said, well, I was thinking of giving the dollar, but I gave the quarter. Because you see, the preacher that day was saying that, uh, that we should be a cheerful giver, and I'd be a lot more cheerful if I gave the quarter instead of the dollar. <laughs> But the point is this, is that as we give generously and sacrificially with a cheerful heart, right, not for false motives, but because we truly and sincerely want to serve the Lord and bless another person, right, that's what God's pleased with. He doesn't want us giving out of compulsion, like, oh, oh, you know, like, oh, i got to give my 10% this week, you know, that's not, God sees our hearts, right? And we're going to look at another passage here in a moment about those kinds of issues with amounts of money. It's not about the amount of money. It's about the condition of our heart, right? And God wants us to be cheerful givers, to give cheerfully, of course, because we want to. Because we, you know, our heart's in the right place. It's a response to God of worship. And like I say, giving is not just putting it in the offering plate in church. It's help, you know, it's all kinds of things that are investing in the Lord's work all over this world, right? So we're to be cheerful givers. We're to bless others. Paul talked that that this was a that they were enriching the, the the people of God. They were supplying the needs of the saints, and because of that, that other church was praising and glorifying God. And that's the whole point of it, right? It's like uh, the man who had the orphanage, right? He praises God ultimately for God's provision. That's where we want the praise to go, not to ourselves, right? So we want to give cheerfully out of a right motive. God sees our hearts. And as we give, God provides. And these are acceptable sacrifices to God. The Bible says that. They're acceptable sacrifices. In fact, and I'll just read this verse to you. We didn't go into the passage in Philippians 4.18. It says, Paul says, I've received everything in full and I have an abundance. I'm fully supplied having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And in that case, which we didn't go into it, the, the church had, had given things to support Paul. You see, like Paul was in custody in Rome. And, you know, the Romans allowed him to live in a house under guard, but they didn't provide him. In those days, you, ha- you had to have friends to provide you with your meals. The state didn't do it. And so the churches and the folks were looking after him while he's incarcerated. And he was saying, that I'm full. Thank you so much. And praise God. And, and what is it? It's an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And so as they were giving to support his ministry, it was a sacrifice acceptable to God. So it redounds to praise. And so we're to give cheerfully as we bless others. <clears throat> we're going to go a little over time. That's okay. Because there's two more things i got to share with you. The first one's in Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 9. Very important. While Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came in with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume of nard. She broke the jar and poured it on his head. And we know that some of the disciples who were there complained about that. They said, what is she doing? Pouring out this, that, that nard, it was like a very expensive perfume. The the scriptures tell us it was worth uh, 300 denarii. That's a year's salary. 200 denarii could buy food for 5,000 people. This perfume that she poured on the Lord was worth a full year's salary. That, my friends, is expensive. And as she pours that on the Lord, some of the disciples are grumbling, going, oh, what a waste. Right? And Jesus corrects them. 
and tells her to leave her alone because she's preparing his body for his burial because he's about to go to the cross, you see. And it was an act of true worship. This, this woman came in and she loved the Lord with a pure heart and there was no expense too great to offer to him. And so she pours that out on him, demonstrating her love for him. And it was incredibly expensive. And, and, and the Lord highlights this example in the scriptures for us. And we might say it's an exceptional example. And yet we see a principle here that there's nothing too great to give to the Lord. And I am confident of this, beloved. That I will never stand before the Lord and that He will chastise me and say, Mark, you gave me too much. Son, you should have kept more for yourself. Why did you give so much to me? He will never do that. I'm, I'm quite confident of that. There's nothing too much to give in the Lord's service. There just isn't. No matter how extravagant, no matter how extreme, He is worth it all. He's worth everything that we have and that we are. And so he commends this woman. She's preparing him for burial. There's nothing too great that we can offer the Lord. Let us never think that we can or that somehow he will be impressed because we have, you know, spent a lot of money on him. That's not what the issue is, right? She gave something of great value, yes, but it was from a heart of true love. She poured the whole thing out all over. Must have smelled good in there. (laughs) All right, one more example here. Then we'll summarize. Mark chapter 12, 41 to 44, sitting across from the temple treasury, Jesus watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums, and then a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Summoning his disciples, he said to them, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others, for they all gave out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. And you see, again, it's not about the amount. It's about her heart. It's about the attitude of her heart in giving. The Lord sees it, and the Lord observed this woman, and she's recorded for us to remember all through history that she gave two little tiny pennies. And we say, well, what is that? Oh, uh, you see, but we have a God who multiplies. <laughs> uh, that's irrelevant to him. I have a missionary that I know. I think he's gone home to be with the Lord now. Yes, he has. And 30 years ago or so, he was in South America doing a radio show. <clears throat> and he received a letter from a little boy who and sent $1. And this little boy had got a job cutting grass or something like that. And he just really felt he wanted to honor the Lord and send some of the, his earnings to, to the missionary work. And he sent him a dollar. And this missionary friend of mine said, well, you know, at the time I thought to myself, well, this is, yeah, okay, great. You know, it's a, it's a buck. What are we going to do with that? You know? And he said, I almost despised it, you know, because I just didn't consider it worth anything. He says, but I bought a cassette tape with it. I recorded a gospel message and somebody got saved. And so you see, the, the point is, is that the, the Lord can use that little dollar from a little boy to do great things. And he can use five loaves and a few fish right, to feed thousands, and he can take what little we offer him, and he multiplies it. The issue is not the amount. The issue is the heart that gives it generously, sacrificially, and the Lord calls her out, and she says she has actually given more, you see. That's what impresses God. He's not impressed by a check for a million if you have 10 billion. That's not the issue. The issue is the state of our heart before the Lord, and that's what he sees. And so there's an important principle that the motive of our heart matters to God, and he sees it all. It's not about the amount, the dollar amount that we give. Giving to the Lord needs to have a priority in our life. There's no question about that. It's an act of worship. It's very important, and we're missing out on the full worship of God if we're not 
offering to the Lord our gifts. The, to me, the tithe was for Israel. It's part of the law. And we're not under that system anymore because, you know, there's some negatives with the tithe too. I mean, I could look at that and say, oh, great, 10%. That leaves 90 for me. Woohoo! You know, or, you know what I mean? We can turn it into that. Or I can say, oh, all I gotta do is give 10. See, check. Hey, good, I'm good, right? No. He sees the heart. It's not about some mathematical number. And if you feel convicted by the Lord to give 10%, well, praise God. And if you feel convicted to give 5% or 20 or whatever, that's between you and the Lord. Okay? And I'm not going to stand here before you and tell you that you, you, know, you have to give a minimum 10. I don't believe the New Testament teaches that. What I believe the New Testament teaches us is that you're to give everything to the Lord. Not 10%, 100%. That doesn't mean 100% of your income. It means 100% of you and everything you are and everything that you have. Generously and sacrificially to the Lord and to His work. That's the New Testament pattern. A living sacrifice, fully sold out to Christ and to His work. Everything we have is a gift from God, you know. And I was at a, a meeting in uh, Halifax a couple of years ago, and there was a preacher there from the States called Jeff Vanderstelt, and he really challenged us that day. And I'll tell you, when, when he was saying some of these things, you could have heard a pin drop. There was like 300 people in the room, and he was challenging us, and he was saying, you know what, guys? That food in your fridge at home, it's not yours. You might think it is. But it's not. That brand new truck sitting in your driveway, that's not yours either. All of these things, you see, God has given us as gifts, and they are for His service. And we are merely stewards of what He has entrusted to us. And I believe He's entrusted the North American church with so much material wealth, it's mind-boggling, not so that we can enrich ourselves, but so that we can be a blessing to others who don't have. That, that's, that's the whole point of it, you know? And we are, we're missing out when we don't get involved in what the Lord is doing in this regard. Everything is from the Lord. And we, we gotta be so careful not to turn giving into a formula for getting. It's not about that. And yet there is a scriptural principle that as we give generously and sacrificially, the Lord has promised to provide all that we need. <clears throat> but we don't give to get. And if we do, the Lord will see it. And it's not gonna happen that way. It's an important part of worship. Praise is worship. Giving is worship to the Lord. Just as much as singing the praises of God. And we give because Jesus gave first. And we give as a response of a heart of love and gratitude for all that the Lord has done for us. For many years as a Christian, for most of my life as a Christian, I was not a giver. I was selfish. That's just my testimony. Um, And I would, you know, I can remember 15 years ago, I mean, I would... Spend so much money on toys. You know, I had three snowmobiles because, you know, I wanted to have my kids on them with me, right? And I would spare no expense. I'd go out on a Saturday and drop $300 in fuel and food. But to put $20 in the offering plate hurt. And that's pretty sad. But that was me. I, I thought I was doing God a favor by putting 20 bucks in the offering plate. And I probably did that five times a year. I mean, literally, I made a ton of money. I gave virtually nothing to the Lord's work. Once in a while. once in a while. But you know, after I went through that huge debt problem, which I've shared with you, and the Lord delivered us from that, I remember once Janet and I, you know, the Lord began to change our hearts with giving, mostly mine. Um, And we wanted to start to give a little better than we had been. And I remember once, you know, after the Lord had, we were in a much better financial situation. And one day, I think we had $1,000 sitting in the bank. And I could have put it on debt, or I could have given it. And, and I said, honey, let's just give it to the Lord's work. And we did. Not because we were expecting to get in return, 
but just because we felt it was the right thing to do and the Lord would have us to give it to him first. And you know what? He took care of the rest. All the debts he would eventually eliminate for us. And as we did that, we just began to give, give, and to give, and to give, and the Lord changed my heart completely on that, right? And it's better to give than to receive, the scripture says, right? It just is. And we, we can't out-give the Lord, by the way. He's no man's debtor. And again, I don't give to get. We give to worship. We say, Lord, I just love you. I thank you for what you've done for me. And my response is, I want to bless people in your name. And I'm going to give to your work. And if that costs me my earthly fortune, then so be it. You know, and praise God for that. I like to tell young people, you know, as they're heading out into life, and I was challenging a group of high school students in Louisiana a year ago, and I said, as you guys head into college and you think about your careers, think about this first, serve Christ. I mean, I earn a third of what I did in my secular work, and I've never been happier and more blessed. The Lord has changed my heart completely. I don't even want three snowmobiles anymore. Could care less. Don't care. It's not about money. Right, And we want to make sure we're worshiping God through our giving. So we don't pass an offering plate here. We just have felt, and, and we're not against churches that do at all. We just felt in our context here in Inverness, we don't want to be, you know, have a reputation as sticking an offering box in front of people. It's there to the side. I have lot, we have lots of visitors in the summer, and they come to me and they say, where, where, you didn't pass the offering plate. We'd like to, and I say, oh, well, you know, yeah, just go talk to Tom over there, you know. <laughs> But we just trust the Lord, and, and He's continued to bless this church, and, and we just thank Him for that. And we thank everybody for all their giving into this church and beyond that, right? But it's more than just putting stuff in the offering plate at church, too, right? It's how can we bless our neighbors as well. So anyway, all of that to say that giving is an important part of worship, and we just uh, trust the Lord will, uh, uh, you know, help us in this regard to give generously and sacrificially as we serve him. Father, we're so thankful today, God, for the example that you have given, that Jesus has given everything for us. And so, Lord, in return, we're called to give everything for him. And, God, we pray that in this area of finances, which I confess has been a challenge for me in my life, Lord, that you would challenge us, O oh God, and that you would uh, provide, help us to trust in you to provide. Lord, help us never to look at giving as a means of getting. But God, help us to look at it as a true act of worship. Lord, we've considered much today about generosity, about cheerfulness, Lord, about sacrifice. And God, we just pray you would speak to each of our hearts. Lord, I don't know where people are at, and only you do. But Lord, I know that I need grace in this area as well. And so, Father, we just uh, thank you, Lord, that you've given us an opportunity to give and to participate in your great work across this world. Lord, we bless you and we thank you. Ask your blessing on each family and home that's represented here today. And we ask that you would dismiss us now with your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.